We're continuing on, um, we've been looking at the call of Jeremiah, and um, we're going to be continuing that till um, the beginning of December. And um, we've read last week from Jeremiah chapter 1, from the beginning, from Jeremiah's call, that, that God knew him before he was formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, and Jeremiah complains because he says, I'm too young, why do that to me? <laughs> and he said, I won't know what to say, and God says, I will give you the words that you need to say. I will put my words in your mouth, and you will speak them. That's wonderful, isn't it? When we don't know what to say in situations or circumstances, we pray that God will put the words in our mouths that we need to say and to speak forth. And that's the words we want to hear, isn't it? The words that come from the Spirit of God, that come deep within us, the Spirit mustering within us and draws up words and pictures and images which, which shake us and challenge us, but know that God is moving amongst us and shaping and changing and calling us to be His people. And I do think God calls us to be a prophetic people as well. And he calls us to stand. Stand for his gospel. Stand for his glory. Stand for his word. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This good news. This good news that transforms our life when Jesus comes into our lives. How it changes us. It makes us better people. Different people. It amazes me as I, I sit in the Alpha course and I listen to people who are coming to faith and starting to accept Jesus in their lives and coming back to Jesus again as they talk about those journeys of faith, of what God is doing in their lives. So people who have been Alphas previously and accepted Jesus in their life and saying, how different my life is now. If it wasn't for Jesus in my life, I don't know where it would be, maybe in prison, maybe something else, but my life wouldn't be what it is now because of, of Jesus Christ. And when we come to worship, we come to encounter Jesus, don't we? We come to encounter His Holy Spirit, which speaks into our hearts and draws us closer to God in worship. And as we worship God, something happens, doesn't it? It changes and it transforms. I don't know about you, but when I'm worshiping, I'm making a sacrifice. And when you make a sacrifice, you're giving something up, aren't you? When you think about the Old Testament, they used to make sacrifices all the time, lambs and doves and all things, but there was a cost to that. They had to take an animal that could make them money or, 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 or give, give them food or, or supply, there was something that was important to them, valued to them, and they had to take that to the temple and to God and to sacrifice. There was a cost to their worship. And there's a cost to our worship also, isn't it? When we come to worship God, God is asking us for a sacrifice. He asks us for our hearts. He asks us to, to lay ourselves before Him and worship Him and give Him everything that we have and am. Even in the midst of challenges and difficulties and circumstances and bereavement and heart and pain and sickness, God calls us to come and lay ourselves before Him. And when we sacrifice and make that sacrifice, even when we don't feel we want to make that sacrifice, God does something in it, doesn't He? He transforms and He changes he renews, He heals, He restores, He transforms our characters, He makes us into people that He desires to be. Can you witness to that? Put your hand up if you can witness that. If nobody does, we're in trouble. 
Amen. And so here's Jeremiah, a young man, called to be a prophet to Judah and to Jerusalem. And he has to trust in God, that God will use him and speak through him to challenge this nation. For 55 years they've had King Josiah, who's the king of the time of Jeremiah. For, for 55 years they had King Manasseh, who was just Josiah's grandfather, as king. And for 55 years he was an evil king. He worshipped all idols. He sacrificed all idols. He, he de- depraved the temple of God. He brought all the gods into God's sanctuary and God's temple. And people worshipped all the gods in God's temple and God's place at that time. And the people were led asleep and the people worshipped other gods and idols. Manasseh even sacrificed his own son to a false idol. And he's worshipping, he's searching after something other than God. And then near his death, when he was taken into captivity in, in Babylon, he sort of found God again. He had a revival. He, after 55 years of evil, the last years or so of his life, he returned to God and he worshipped Yahweh and he praised him. And somehow that seems to have got to Josiah, his grandson. And here we have Josiah, who's a, who's a holy man who was prophesied 300 years before his death that he would come and he would restore Jerusalem and Judah, that he would break down the false altars that he would take away the false idols, that he would take away the high places, that he would restore the rituals and the the worship of Yahweh again in Jerusalem, that there would be festivals and parades, that there would be joy, there would be celebration, that people's hearts would be turned back to God, that people would turn their face to God and worship Him. Yet God had already decided that there would be judgment that for the sins of the past generations there would be judgment. That Jerusalem was heading for destruction. And Jeremiah had to preach in the midst of this mini revival of Josiah, rediscovering the law, the festivals, the joy that was in Jerusalem. He had to preach this word that God's judgment is coming. Not a very popular man. And he spoke God's word and God called him to stand firm in that situation. And he called the people to repentance. He said, no, you know what? We're starting to restore the sanctuary again. We're starting to worship God again. We're having festival again. We're having rituals and religion And it's great, but God's calling you to more than previous generations. Amen? God's calling you to more in the past. God's calling you to a future where he wants to bless you, where he wants to pour out his glory upon Jerusalem again, where he wants the Levites to dance around the the sanctuary of God, the Ark of the Covenant, to worship God, to pray their 
to play their flutes and their lyres, to clash the cymbals and to do that 24 hours a day around the presence of God, recognizing that he is there, worshipping God, glorifying God. Did you realize that happened in the temple? They would worship and glorify around the presence of God because, well, God was there, it was important to worship him, to glorify, to recognize his presence. They didn't stop. It was a noisy place. <laughs> you know, priests and Levites crying out, Yahweh is here, our God is here, we worship him and praise him. And men and women and Levites were appointed to worship him and glorify him. And what we do is just here with our worship and our praise is just a continuation of the worship in the temple which recognized the glory of God. And when we recognize the glory of God, we worship him and glorify him. And Jeremiah says, I'm calling you to something more. I'm calling you to a deeper worship of God. God doesn't want your sacrifice. He doesn't want the rituals of the past. He wants a people who will give him their hearts, who will worship him in spirit and truth, who will seek after him and love him and sacrifice their lives to him in worship and praise. It's not just the Levites who worship him night and day and pray and fast and seek him, but a generation, a nation, a people raised up of priests who will worship him. And who are the who is a nation of priests today? We are, aren't we? We're called to be a holy priesthood. And there's responsibilities of being a priesthood. And what's that? The primary purpose in, in, in of the priesthood is to worship God day and night without seeking to recognize his presence, to glorify him. And so Jeremiah is calling them to something deep and he's calling them to, to repentance, not to carry on with the same mistakes, the same problems, the same issues, but to move on to something more and deeper into the presence of God. And so God gives him some pictures. And if we start from um, um, chapter uh, verse 11, praise God, that's good. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. And he said, what do you see, Jeremiah? It's good, isn't it? The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, what do you see? You know, sometimes the word of the Lord comes to you, sometimes God speaks to you, and, and there's something around us that we can observe and see that God speaks to us through. Have you ever had that experience where God speaks to you through an image or, a, or something else? And I remember one lady coming in here and said, I was looking for God's guidance, and I, and I didn't know what to do in my life. I didn't know what to do with circumstance, but as I walked out the door, I, said, I saw the stop sign, and God says, do you see that sign? Stop. <laughs> stop. Stop in your life. Isn't it amazing that God gives us pictures and images? That, that, that There's an abundance in this church of people who receive pictures and images, isn't there, of what God's saying. We've had abundance of prophecies and pictures of what God is saying to us as a community. But God says, what's this saying? I've given you pictures, but what does say there's always meaning in it there's always god doesn't give us a picture that's random or, or has no meaning there's always a meaning that we can discern from it and take from it that god wants to show us and he says what do you see i see the branch of an almond tree i replied and you know what the nickname for a almond tree was in ancient israel watcher <laughs> watcher so he said you see what you see jeremiah i see a watcher <laughs> I see a tree that represents someone watching. And God says, exactly, you've got it. I'm watching over my people. I'm watching over you, Jeremiah, 
that my word is fulfilled. Wow. There's a sense when God gives a word, he wants to see his word fulfilled. And how is his word fulfilled? When we as a people listen and perceive and see what God is saying over us individually and as a community, and we start to see how can we fulfill what God has called us to do. Do we want to see God's word fulfilled in this place? Oh, three people do, that's good. <laughs> Four or five, it's growing, it's the Christ, Lord, it's a revival. <laughs> it's coming, Lord. And, you know, we want to see God's word fulfilled in this place. We want to see his will fulfilled in this place. He's spoken so much about the potential that this church has, of what it can be in this region, of what it can be in the Midlands, of what it can be as a resource church, of what it can be to impact Methodism. There's already churches and people reaching out to me saying, what's Little Over going to do? How can we make a new wineskin? How can we serve God? How can we bring revival back to this region? And as people who are growing and bubbling up all around here in Methodist churches, believe it or not, in Methodist churches, who are crying out for revival, that spirit of John Wesley, the spirit of Elijah is coming up and there's a hunger and a desire for more of God. A desire to push into God's purposes and not get distracted, not get taken away by things, but not distracted, but to see God's will fulfilled, isn't it? That's the hardest thing, is it, for us individuals and communities is to see God's will fulfilled. I mean... I mean, each, I mean, if I went round each one of you, I mean, how many issues, how many problems would each individual person here that you're coming here and bringing? How many things have you got going through your head this morning going, oh my goodness me, I need to think about this, I need to do that. I'm suffering because of this, I'm hurting because of that. I've got this pain, I've got this broken relationship, I've got this situation, I've got this heart. You're all coming, I can see it, it's actually all above your heads. It's like just like little clouds, you know, it's just, it's just there. You don't think I see it, do you? But I see it, it's like little clouds. And some are black, some are light, some are... But you, it's there, I see it, you know, there's, there's this, you know, there's pain, there's heart, there's loss, there's grief, there's... But within all those circumstances that you've got through your head of all the things that are going through, looping through, going, oh, this has happened, this has happened, this has happened. God is trying to break through. I'm watching. I want to see my word fulfilled in your life. I want to see my word fulfilled in my community. That's exciting, isn't it? God is watching. He wants to see his word fulfilled. And he wants to see his word fulfilled in your life, in this community. And if we want to be a church that impacts this region for Jesus Christ. It's not an institution, it's not a, it's not a building, but it's each one of us, isn't it? Saying, uh, with a strength and a passion, to say, I want to see the word of God filled in this, fulfilled in this place. Because I know God's watching to see that happen. And I'm going to play my part to do that. Can you say that? I'm prepared to play my part to see the word of God fulfilled in this place. Because if we don't each play our part, if we don't all come together as a body in unity and the spirit and the power of God, we're not going to see God's word fulfilled, are we? 
We're going to be lost in our circumstances, lost in our pain, lost in our hearts, lost in our bereavement, lost for friends who are no longer here. And it's been a tough year for us as a church, hasn't it? It's been a good year, but it's been a tough year. There's been ups and downs and difficulties and challenges. But God's waving in the circumstances and the challenges. Maybe you don't see it, but when I'm here, I see God working in an incredible and miraculous way. I remember times when I was saying, God, how are you going to fulfill your word? And I remember really challenges and difficult times in my life and Lucia's life and circumstances. And we're we were praying till about 11 o'clock at night and then we'd go to bed and we'd go up at 3 o'clock in the morning and we'd pray for another couple of hours because God was calling us to pray for another couple of hours to pray through things, to break through things, to go through circumstances. Then we'd go up early in the morning, we had a bell and then we'd back praying and working and doing things and it was exhausting but we saw God move. And even tonight, this morning, to see God move, you know, for Friday night, we were, we were on our knees in this church at 10 o'clock, those people who are intercessors, and we prayed and we sought God till 3 in the morning. We prayed over this whole church, asking God, you make a breakthrough, God. You, you do your will here. You do your work here. We want to see your purpose happen here, Lord. We don't want to see the enemy come in and, and distract us. We want to see your word fulfilled. Amen. And if one thing I'm sure Jeremiah learned as God called him to this difficult task, I'm sure Jeremiah learned pray and fast, pray and fast, pray and fast, pray and fast, seek God. You don't have to fast food for, you know, you can fast books. I think Melissa fasted novels and different things. You can, you can, you can fast different things, you know, but it's giving something up to say, I'm going to pray and give something up so that that draws me closer to God. It brings my attention to God. I'm not distracted away by things, but I'm focusing on God's fulfillment, what God wants to do in my life. And the Lord said said to me, you have seen correctly. See, the Lord didn't say, oh yeah, you've seen it. He said, you've seen correctly. We have to see correctly, don't we? Do we see correctly at times? No, we don't see correctly at times. Sometimes we see wrongly. And sometimes we see correctly, but we have to discern as a people of God how we see correctly what God is doing and how God is going to fulfill his word. Because he's watching and he wants his word to be filled. And the word of the Lord came to me. He said again, we go to the next one. He said, what do you see again? This amazing, what do you see again? So what, what else do you see? What else do you see? I see in the midst of difficulties and challenges and circumstances of people coming faith in Alpha. We've already had three people come to faith in Alpha already. We've had one one friend who's here today. I won't mention him by name to embarrass him, but he recommitted his life to Christ. We've seen numerous people throughout the year give their lives to Christ. We've seen people come back to church to seek God in difficult circumstances again. In the midst of challenges, God has brought salvation, brought people to faith, restored people's lives, brought healing, brought joy. Is that not a wonderful thing to give God thanks for? Can we praise Him for that? I wonder. <laughs> Amen. 
Because if we don't praise him for it, why would he give us it? You know what I mean? If we're not giving thanks to him for it, we're not praising for it, we're not on our knees praying, God, give us more. Give us more, God. We want more of you. Do more of this, God. And we're just saying, going, oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yes. We have to push down deeper spiritually. We have to say, God, I'll praise you for that. Even if, even if we don't express, even if you're just sitting down, an expressionless face, and, but in your heart you're burning, going, oh, wow. You know, tell God. Tell God how thankful you are for life touched, life transformed, life changed, hope being given, people restored. And he said, I see a boiling point pot tilting away from the north. And, I, and the Lord tells Jeremiah this straight away because I don't think he really knew what a boiling pot tilting to the north really means. He's probably going, God, what's this picture about? Sometimes you're like, isn't it? God, what's this about? What are you doing here, God? What are you saying here, God? What is in this? And then the, the boiling point tilting, tilting to, the north, to the north. And the Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the king peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Because if Israel was going to be attacked, you couldn't really attack it from the west or the east. The only way you could attack Jerusalem is if you came from the north. So all the enemies, all the things that would come against Jerusalem would come from the north. And this time it's going to be the king of Babylon and the Babylon nation who would come and take the people of Jerusalem and Judah into captivity. You carry on, next one. And the king, their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me in burning incest to other gods and in worshipping what their hands have made. So there's a sense here of, of anticipation that God wants to see his word fulfilled in Jerusalem. He wants to see his word fulfilled in Judah, doesn't he? He wants to see his people be his people and love him and serve him. But there's also this sense of impending judgment. If people don't come back to God, if people don't return to him, then the enemies come on the gates, isn't it? The kings from the north come. They take over Jerusalem. They take over the land. And then that land, because that, those kings become the influence of what the people of God is. And it's very easy for us as a people as well in the community to let the enemy in, isn't it? To let the enemy take camp. To take us away from God's focus and God's love and God's purpose for us to see his word fulfilled in us. And it's so easy for us to, to go with the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. Whereas whoever we are and whatever we're called to we're called to worship him together, isn't it? You see, the people of Israel, they were all dispersed, different, different people, different circumstances, different understanding. The poor didn't really have much clue about God, you know, didn't have much education. And you had the, the Levites and the priests who were very educated and knew about God and temple worship. And the poor just turned up with their, their sacrifices and hoped that God would do something. And they didn't know what God would do or how he would do it, but they just hoped God would do something. And so we all come from a different perspective, different ways, but... The thing that unified the people in Israel was to come, not leave the high places, leave the different places where they worshipped other gods and come and worship Yahweh. 
Come and worship in his temple from diverse, different places. And that's what God calls us to do, isn't it? He calls us all to come and say, let's worship him, let's lay before him, let's declare him as God, let's glorify him, let's proclaim who he is, let's celebrate him, let's make our festivals to him, let's declare that he is God. You know, one thing I've found in really hard times, you know, you declare how, God good, how good God is, isn't it? In really difficult times, if you declare how, God, how, God, how good God is, that just breaks the cycle of the misery, doesn't it? You know, and there's somehow that we've got to realize in brokenness and pain, we've got to declare how, God, how good God is, what he's done for us, because God's done everything in Jesus Christ already, isn't it? He's done everything we can praise him for. There's nothing else he can do in our lives that we can praise him for more than Jesus Christ, is there? So there's so much to praise him for that he looks upon us and sees us and calls us a child of God and loves us no matter who we are and calls all into his kingdom from all nations, from all places, from all peoples to worship him and glorify him and honor him. And in the difficulties and challenges, we glorify God. And the people of Israel, if they stood up in those circumstances and said, Jeremiah, you know, it's a difficult word, it's a hard word, but we're, we're going to listen to you and we're going to glorify our God. We're going to worship him, we're going to repent and we're going to seek him and we're going to give our hearts to him and we're going to rejoice in him. And it doesn't matter what circumstances we are, but let's just praise God. Let's just praise him. Let's honor him. Let's say, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that we can be here to worship. Thank you that in my pain and in my loss, in my heart, in my circumstances, wherever you are, in your cancer, and your situations, that to glorify God and honor him and to break out that cycle. I say, I'm not going to let the enemy camp in my mind, in my heart, in my soul. I'm not going to let a different spirit come and occupy my mind and my actions. I'm going to invite the spirit of God into my life and glorify God and worship him through the circumstances and declare who he is. Because when I know who he is, that I know that I'm a child of God, that I'm loved. He said, get yourself ready, stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. It's difficult, isn't it? You know, it's nobody likes difficult challenges, but it's it can be terrifying, can't it? It can be a struggle. It can be difficult, it can be painful. But there's something that we have to do within that is to stand firm in God and trust that God is with us. that there's circumstances in your life that are going to terrify you. Who's ever had circumstances that terrified you? Amen. <laughs> circumstances that terrify us, that, that could break us, that, that could grind us down, that can, that can really make us into just kind of like, a, especially middle-aged men like me, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, we're just middle-aged men, are prime for everything, so from falling apart to everyone else. Amen. <laughs> we're just praying for everything and, but there's something that says stand firm don't be terrified how are you not terrified? I don't know <laughs> does anybody know how not to be terrified in circumstances? do you know what I'm like in circumstances? I can't run very fast I'm like <laughs> 
uh, like a headless turkey, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of understand myself in those circumstances. I'm trying to understand my responses, my actions, my peace. I'm trying to, trying to center myself and understand how do I react, how do I work, how do I operate in a place in which you're terrified. And God says, don't be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Because God says, I'm the one you rest in. I'm the one you stand in. I'm the one you trust. I'm the one who leads in. I'm the one who's going to give you the words to say. I'm the one who's going to protect you. And whatever else comes against you, whatever the waves, the circumstances, the difficulty, the challenge, God says, I'm the one who keeps you firm. Stand firm. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand. Isn't that amazing? God says to you, today I have made you a fortified city. Who's a fortified city? Who's got holes in a fortified city? (laughs) But God has made you a fortified city. Wow, that's his promise to you. I will make you, in your circumstance, your challenges, a fortified city. If you trust in me, if you let my word speak for you, if you stand up for me, if you trust in me and lean into me, I will give you the words to say. I will give you the dreams. I will give you the signs. I will give you the hope. I will give you the deliverance. I will give you the peace. I've made you a fortified city. I've made you a pillar, uh, made you an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand. Anybody hit an iron pillar before? Or some bronze is pretty sore, you know, you can't get them down quite easily. There's a firmness. And that's because Jeremiah has to trust in God, worship God, seek God, understand Him, and say, God, I want to see your word fulfilled. There's something in which we have to be strong, like fortified city, like iron pillars, like walls of bronze to stand firm in the circumstances to see God's will fulfilled in our lives and in our world. Otherwise, we lose out to see what the potential God can do in us and amongst us. Amen. If we become terrified and afraid, then we just become terrified before the world, don't we? And then who can stand? Who can stand in their own heart and pain? Who can stand in their own loss? But God says, I have the resources to enable you to do that. He's got to stand against, not only has he stand against people, but he's got to stand the kings of Judah. Can you imagine that? Stand against kings and officials, its priests and the people of the land, really clever people, really difficult people, really challenging people, like king who could chop your head off any minute and, and tell me, I'll tell you a few times, Jeremiah, you know, the king tried to kill him a few times, put him down wells and hung him up in stocks, people threw um, um, old tomatoes at him. <laughs> and, um, and he said, God, why have you done this to me? <laughs> why have you done this to me, God? But God says to see my word fulfilled here. Doesn't God amazing? To take a young man like Jeremiah and say, I'm going to put you into the circumstances and those challenges, but if you trust in me, and stand firm. I like a bit where he says, gird your loins. You know, that says in the King James, gird your loins. Because, you know, 
in the old times they used to wear um, your tunics. Have you ever tried to stand firm in a tunic? You know, I mean, it's bad enough in Scotland where we wear kilts. You know, you've got to be very careful with kilts. You know, that's. Uh, you know, I had a. I remember, my, I think it was my graduation of my friend Gordon, who we all wore kilts for it, and we're going about Glasgow city centre, and we're all kind of, this is great. And um, yeah. no, it was actually our wedding. Actually, it was in London. It was not even worse. It was in London. It was London. Let's see if say that. It was in London, and then we were. We were walking along and my friend Gordon just, we went by a chip shop window, we had his kilt on. And you know in Scotland we wear, we don't wear. <laughs> and he put his foot up in the window of the chip shop to tie his lace. And then he went, ah! <laughs> but essentially you've got a kilt on, you've got to make sure you gird your loins, you've got, <laughs> you've got to make sure you're, you're correct, you're ready, ready for the battle, ready to do things. But in the same way, they wore, they wore a tunic, and if you went to fight in a battle with a tunic on, you would trip over it, you'd fall over it, you would do it, so you've got to gird your loins, you've got to get that tunic there tied up so it doesn't obstruct you for the battle. And so when he said, stand firm, he said, prepare yourself for what's to come, for what you've got to stand against, for the enemy's going to come against you, but you've got to be stand firm, prepare yourself, get ready, put on the full armour of God. Because God's given us a full armour, hasn't he? God's given us all the resources and the tools to come against the enemy, to stand firm in him. We just have to accept it and take it and live in it and be in the reality of it. So we praise him and glorify him for all he's doing. And just like the kids are reading Ephesians 6.10, the full armour of God, I recommend you go and read about the full armour of God. And you put that on this week in your circumstances and you stand firm through your challenges. I just want to share a few things with you where I'm at as well in my heart and where God's, God's going. And, um, you know, I do feel that God has called me to this church and, and to this place and that God has got more to do. And I do believe we've got exciting times ahead. And, um, you know, I'm very enthusiastic <laughs> for God's kingdom. And, God. and so maybe sometimes I push a bit ahead too much. But it's because I have a desire for God and his kingdom and to see his word fulfilled. But I also recognize there's people, you know, we've lost friends and people may not know, but, you know, we've had sort of different circumstances, different circumstances over, over, over many years that um, we've lost some, some, some really long-standing members, really good, faithful people, and they've, they've decided to go and worship elsewhere for, for a variety of reasons. You know, there's some reasons that are around me as well and other circumstances and, you know, so some people have to buy a compressor because I'm too loud and, <laughs> and other such things like that. But, you know, I just want you to know that, you know, I believe that God's taken us into a new season, a new time. And, um, you know, I know it's been tough. I know maybe you found, maybe the preaching's been a bit tough and the, Maybe you feel a bit convicted at times, and I can't apologise you for feeling convicted. I'm really sorry, but, <laughs> you know. But from what I say and do, you know, I'm not a person who goes here and I've got tons of notes and things like that. I, I preach as the Spirit 
guides me to preach. You know, many times I've only got the scripture before me and in, in, in some background reading and trusting God that He will He will lead me in the right ways. But I've always got to make sure that God's given me the correct word as well. That what He's given the signs, and we've got to hold the correct word. But the thing is, as we move on, we've got to we've, we've got to have good conversations together. And I need you to have good conversations with me as well. You know, and I need you to be able to tell me, Gary, come on, sort that out. Dave Bell's brilliant. You'll come and have a lovely conversation with me and take me for a lunch and say, right, Gary, I'm going to tell you this in love. And uh, we need to speak to each other in love. You know, we may get things right, we may get things wrong, but we've got to speak to each other in love. And, and when we say we, we speak to each other in love, it's not a phrase, it's not a catchphrase, but it's a, it's a dynamic community. It says, I need to tell you this because we need to move forward to fill God's word, but I'm going to tell you in 100% respect. Amen? And so when we say something in love to people, that means we have 100% respect for that person. And we have 100% respect to share what we need to say. And if we can respect each other and love each other and say things in love that respect one another, respect our leadership, respect me, that I respect you as well, then we can move forward, can't we? We can make a difference. We can fulfill God's word in this place. But, you know, I do believe for me and my family, we're at a crossroads now. You know, and um, we need your prayers. And, you know, I'm not saying... It's for Gary against Gary, but you know there's, there's, there's been a difficult time, and it's been really challenging for the leadership, for Jackie, for our stewards. You know, we've been working tirelessly for the past four months, and we've never stopped to 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 bring healing, to bring hope, to bring love, to to try to fulfil God's words in this place and push on to the future. So, you know, so I really want to ask you, you know, as we're going to this time of prayer and fasting, I want you to share with me, with Jackie, with the leadership, things that God have put on your heart of saying, you know, where is God taking us? What is God doing? You know, are we going the right direction? Are we going the wrong direction? We've got to start being honest. You know, are, are we happy with what we're doing? Are we not happy? Do we see that God's doing something in here? Or, or We need to move into a time and a season where we build each other up, where we push into discipleship, where we, we start to have conversations about healing and restoration for each other, to build each other up, to love each other. And there'll be things that we agree to disagree over. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing, is it? We're not going to agree over 100%, but we need to learn to agree to disagree well. And I just want to ask you, and just in a prophetic act, I know not all the stewards are here, but I would like uh, the stewards who are here if you could come forward. And some are upstairs, I think. So, and for Jackie and Katie as well. Come on, Katie. For Marina. You know, this is a time. You know, we're we're really want to see God's will fulfilled. You know, then. Um, we love each other. I love Rob because Rob just tells me it straight, you know. And he's a, he, this, is, this is an amazing man. He's an amazing leader. He's a blessing to this community. And, you know, I love him so much. And he's a real blessing. And, um, you know, it's a time to love and forgive each other and, and to, 
to build hope. And these are all wonderful people who want to serve you and love you and bless you, but they need your prayers. So I want to prophetically, I I know we're British and, you know, I'm I'm too Brazilian and stuff, but I want you to come out and if you can come out and pray for us, get out your seats and come forward, come to this place, let's make this, just pray for us. You know, if you can't, don't worry if it fills up the elder, just stick your hands out and pray for us, but I just want you to say prophetically, come and pray for us, come and bless us. Come and come move forward together. It's going to be embarrassing if you don't. So, <laughs> so if you feel uncomfortable, don't worry. But it's come and pray. And Almighty God, our Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for for the gift of this place for the gift of LMC. Father, you see your people, every one of us, every one of your leaders that represent the top of this church. Father, we invite you to be the spirit that moves this place. Not human, not mankind, not what we wish, not what we want, but what you are and what you will. Father God in heaven, we pray, dear Lord, for the spirit of fear to depart from this place because you are a God that moves. You are a God that is alive and living. You are a God that is real. And Father God in heaven, we pray that we will never be ashamed to stand as Christians in this place, to stand up and represent what your spirit leads in this place. And so, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you will continue to move. You will continue to lead. And unless we open up, unless we are willing to take from you, unless we are willing to release and let you move, Lord, we pray, dear God, that you would bring us down on our knees to honor you, to glorify you, to to acknowledge that you are who you are. Father, we pray, dear Lord, that you would dwell and you would remain. And that, Father, every single one of us here today will be a fragrance of your goodness, your grace, your love, your faithfulness, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, immensely, Lord. We thank you. We pray, dear God, that you continue to lead. Not any one of these in front of you, but you. Father God in heaven, move through them. Give them wisdom, Lord, understanding, knowledge. Father, we praise you, Lord. We acknowledge you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The prophet Joel writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the prophet Joel writes, and afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on my people. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And the end of that passage says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, we pray for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit on every single person, on Gary, Lucia, Isabella, the whole family, on all the stewards and anyone in any kind of leadership position and not for your Holy Spirit to stop there, but to pour out your Holy Spirit on every single believer here. 
and every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord. We thank you for the droplets of blessing that are coming in the form of people turning to you and be saved. But Lord, we ask for more. We ask that everyone will call on the name of the Lord. Everyone within these walls, everyone who comes to events here, everyone among whom we live in our communities that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we look to you, Lord, for your salvation, for your salvation from our chains, for your salvation from our fears, for your salvation from all the things that bind us, that your name might be glorified and that your purposes will be carried out and fulfilled and that we will see your mighty hand at work, O oh God. We trust in your promises. We look to no one else but to you, our God, our Father, our Saviour, our Redeemer and our Friend. And we ask these prayers in the Saviour's precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So we're going to start a good conversation. So I want this part of that conversation, you know, you know, Send emails into the offices, send emails to myself, Jackie, other people, and just tell us, you know, tell us what's on your heart, tell us what's on your mind, and let us know. Um, because if you don't speak, we don't know. We need good conversations with everyone here. If you need pastoral support, you need care, you need help, we're here to love you and help you. Whatever you need, come and speak to us. We want to minister you in Jesus' name.